0: Good afternoon everyone and welcome to the Bible Quest Wednesday edition. We're glad that you can join us today. Um, we have a fun and good webcast scheduled today. Joining us this week is Jeff Smelser in Exton, Pennsylvania. How are you doing today, Jeff?
1: I am here and I am
0: well. Thank you. Very good. Glad to see you're in your office and still able to get out and about. So that's good. And
2: uh, Joe, good to see you. How are you? I am great. Thanks, Chase. And how are you doing?
0: Doing pretty well. So uh, guys, uh, I just got to... Start the podcast off by asking a question. Do you guys ever have excuses? Do you all ever make up excuses for things or have your favorite excuses?
1: Yeah. Um, usually I say it's Joe's fault.
0: It's Joe's fault. Yeah. Just uh, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Even if he's not. Yeah. It's just his fault.
1: Yeah. What else? Well, I,
2: I but, but I just forgot. So that's, that's my, that's kind of my go-to. And, it, and it's usually pretty truthful um I just either I didn't pay enough attention I I didn't think about it uh didn't write it down so when
1: when we were kids when Scott and Daryl and I three brothers were, were kids um there was a point in time when a uh, a guy who was he's we thought he was grown up but he was probably 19 years old I don't know 19 or 20 and he came Uh, and stayed with us for some period of time. I don't even remember how long he lived with us, but he he stayed with us for a while. And we learned at that point, anytime mother or dad said, who did such and such? Who left the milk out? Who did this? Greg did it. (laughs) That was the guy's name. So we'd always, I wonder whatever happened. But we always said, Greg did it.
0: you all ever give excuses for when you mess up Uh, I I think blaming it on other people but also just blaming it on circumstances that were outside of our control can be really easy too I mean I think about when I played little league baseball you know I was horrible I played one season I was really bad and I always hoped that we could be playing on a sunny day that way when that ball would come to the outfield and I would miss I would get to say the sun was in my eyes because it was like You could just get away with it because that's the good excuse you could give. Yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: I think we all struggle with giving excuses. Yeah. But do we ever give excuses when it's just something that we don't want to do? When there is a reason for something good for us, but we don't want to do it because of what it's going to cost us? Do we ever come up with excuses for things like that?
2: I'm going to be busy. I don't think I'll have time to... to to get to do that or or to be engaged in that. I think a lot of that's that's the excuse that people will make is that they won't have time to do that.
0: Right. Exactly. And I think take something as simple as wanting to, somebody needs help moving. They're moving houses. They're moving locations. That's not relevant to me at all in this situation. But I said, you know, Hey, can you come and help me move? And it could be possible. We could be motivated out of selfishness and say, Oh, I can't, because of x and x reason
2: i'm, I'm sensing a setup here jeff <laughs> uh yeah so jeff joe
0: let me get you on camera in front of six people at this point will you help me move no i'm kidding but uh and for those that are listening i'm not moving from harrisburg i bought a house in the city so i'm not rebecca and i are staying here in harrisburg
2: if, if i don't forget i'll help you
1: okay Okay, if i'm not there it's joe's fault <laughs>
2: okay perfect <laughs>
0: But here's really what I'm getting at, guys. Jesus, he has an invitation for his people. He has an invitation for those in the world. And uh, sometimes we give excuses as to why we can't come to the Lord or work in his kingdom. I think there's a couple of ways we can apply that. And Jesus specifically, he has a parable about this in Luke, the 14th chapter. And it's just so relevant to us because as we just kind of teased and joked, I mean, we have excuses For anything and everything that you can think of, we come up with excuses to get out of something.
2: Just think about the the very first sin. Uh, You know, think about Adam and Eve in the garden. And, you know, when it was exposed, what they had done, they presented excuses. Yep, that's right. She, the
0: woman, God, who you made brought
2: this to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: exactly right. Well, I think it would do us good, guys. Let's just read the text. Let's read this story from Jesus, this parable. And we're going to start reading in Luke 14, in verse 16. And I'm going to read down to verse 24. Luke 14, verse 16. But Jesus said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now but they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife and for that reason, I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, master, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. I don't know about you all. This is one of my favorite parables. It really doesn't matter what season of life I'm in. It reminds me of where my priorities should be. We'll start off just at the very beginning of the parable. Jesus is very simple here. A man was giving a big dinner. I love that. I mean, right off the bat, you just pictured this enormous dinner. Think of a Thanksgiving dinner, and you're already like, all right, I'm in on the analogy. I'm in on the parable. I want to come to the big dinner. It's nothing I prepared. It's nothing I did. I've just been invited to this big dinner, which is really cool, isn't it?
2: Those are the best kind to go to.
0: That's right. Yeah, there's enough for everybody is the idea. Yeah, and so in verse 17, uh, it's the dinner hour. It's time to eat. And he sends a servant out to say, come for everything is ready in an hour. No, come for everything is ready now. What does your all's mind go to when you read that?
1: Well, first of all, I'm not sure what you're looking for. But first of all, my mind just goes to the custom of the times. You know, when we get an invitation, we'll say uh, two months from now, Friday evening at 6 uh, p.m., be somewhere. But what they did then was they would give forward, forward warning, or they would let people know, and I guess it's not warning, but they'd tell people, we're going to have a feast Friday, uh, and and the messengers will come and tell you when it's ready. And that's illustrated, for example, in the book of Esther, where on uh, one day, Esther will say, I want to prepare a feast tomorrow for you, my husband, King Ahasuerus, and Haman, and, uh, so then the next day Haman's going about his affairs or, uh, in one case complaining about how things are going bad for him and good for Mordecai and the messengers come and say, the feast is ready. So then he knows it's time to go. And that's what you have here. He's told them ahead of time, this is a great feast. You're invited. And then when it's time, the messengers come and say, the feast is ready. Come.
0: Well, what comes to your mind is more biblical than what I was going to say. What comes to my mind is just being a kid and you're out playing and mom hollers out, dinner's ready now. You know, <laughs> food, food is hot. And what's the implications of that? Food is ready now. You need to come now, not later. N-
1: now is when you But in both cases, the point is you're not caught by surprise. You knew your mom was going to fix dinner. You knew that the supper time would come. And in the biblical times, they had been told ahead of time, there's a feast, you're invited. So you would think that you would, you would make, you would make uh, arrangements for that in your busy schedule, whether you are Haman, an administrative official in the kingdom of Ahasuerus, or Chase, a, a little boy living in the um, buyer's household.
0: Right, yes, yeah, very good point. And uh, so when the servant goes out I just kind of want to work through the different excuses. Um, what's the first excuse given in verse 18?
1: Well before well okay we're going to go are, are we going to walk through the parable first we're going to make application first. I mean <laughs> that's it. never mind go ahead do what we,
0: we can do both. So just let's start off in verse 18. The first one says I bought a piece of land I need to go out and look at it please consider me excused. What well, what, I, what application would you take from that? Well,
1: I want to go back to the previous thing. Oh, okay. Talking, go ahead. We're talking about then the, the kingdom of God. Um, to, to the Jewish people, they have been being told for hundreds of years that a Messiah is coming. They've been being told for hundreds of years the kingdom will be restored. They've been being told in, in one passage in Ezekiel 37, uh, David is used to represent Christ, but they were told that... David would come and be their king, and the two parts of the divided nation would be united into one kingdom. Um, they've been being told for some time there's a great feast coming, and so that's that's the thing to keep in mind here. All right, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, the Christ is here. John the Baptist has already been prophesying about the or uh, teaching and preaching about the Christ, preparing the way for him. Jesus is here. And this guy, in verse 18, he says, I've bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. If you all could sum up and make the application for us, what excuse has this guy given? What's in his way?
1: I have things in this world that I'm busy with right now.
0: That's right. He is worried about his earthly possessions. Mm -hmm. And that is what has distracted him from coming to the kingdom is Because of what he has and what he's focused on, so what you, would you say to this guy?
1: I, I would say which is more important. I mean, you, two chapters later, Luke is going to talk about the Pharisees who were uh, known for being sticklers for the law, or at least for the traditions of the elders. Uh, in other words, they were strict, Paul describes them as the strictest sect of the Jewish religion. And so, here you have people you would think, well, it, if they know the kingdom's coming, then when when the announcement is made, the feast is ready, the kingdom is here. Those people go right to it, but no, Luke will say in luke sixteen fourteen they were lovers of money. Uh, they did not receive the kingdom w- when it when it arrived, when the moment arrived, because they were more interested in earthly things, material things and and that 's what you see in this example here, where the fellow says, "I've bought a field, and I must needs go out and see it. I pray thee, have me excused right
2: so I, I think Thinking of this from you know, 21st century America, it, it, it seems rather ridiculous. Uh, how many of us go and buy a piece of land and then go and, uh, and look at it? Uh, that, that seems completely backwards. It doesn't seem to make any sense at all, at least to, to me, from our perspective. But maybe if we thought about somebody who was quite wealthy, and and had a lot maybe he has servants who are buying things for him at at his instructions and now he needs to go and inspect that um but even at that point it can't wait till after the meal uh you know the the priority here is just really messed up um uh, whether he should have looked at it before he bought it uh or not you would think that that could wait the 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 ground is still going to be there tomorrow, and if it's not, then how much more important that he comes to this feast?
0: Yeah, very good point. What what would you guys say to this guy's excuse? What would you want to say to him if you could get in his face?
2: It is not a well grounded excuse.
1: Yeah,
0: I would say you don't really <laughs> understand. Oh my goodness!
1: Yes, <laughs> nicely done, Joe. Oh. Well,
0: Sometimes I forget why we have you on. on, on, a, on a webcast. Uh, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, a- anyways, if any of you all watch the Tuesday edition of the show, Steven Rouse has those same types of jokes. So I'm, I'm not, a, I don't have an excuse here. I should have gotten that. Uh, but anyways, I would want to say to him, you don't understand what this big dinner is. If you really understood what this big dinner meant for you and for your life, If you really understood who Jesus the Messiah is, to be more specific, you would give up this piece of land to go and follow after Christ. But isn't that what possessions do to us if we're not careful? They make us to start see those things as the most important to the point that we can't even see what the true thing is. And I'll be honest, y'all, I have struggled with this in my life. Messing up my priorities where I value something I can see with my eyes without valuing what the Lord has given me. Um, I think this is a big struggle for me and uh, it's, it's a big struggle for really 21st century America. Any thoughts or comments on that?
2: Are there no, I, any, I think, I, I think you nailed it. That that was, that was excellent.
0: Can you all think of any Bible examples or Bible people that come to your mind when you think about this?
1: My, my mind was on something else. Re, reset the question, Chase. I w, I, I'll come back to it in a few minutes, but I was thinking about this word excuse, which we'll come back to in a few minutes. Sure.
0: Yeah, no, I was just thinking through the rich young ruler, somebody who Jesus had, had uh, he had run to Jesus saying, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, there's one thing you lack, go and sell all that you possess and give to the poor. But of course, he would not do it for he was one that owned much property. And so I think about that guy. He was valuing what he has now more than his dedication to the Lord yeah. Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there, there are countless examples in Scripture, though, where it will either address the problem of putting our possessions before the Lord, or well, there are some think, other examples. You, yeah, you go think, ahead, Jeff.
1: You think of, of uh, in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talks about uh, where your treasury is. Um, you know, in, in Matthew, well, I mean Mark, let me get to Matthew. Uh, in Matthew the uh, uh, sixth chapter and verse nineteen, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust consume, where thieves break through and steal. Uh, and then he's going to end up saying this: No man can serve two masters. In verse twenty-four, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or or riches. there's just a fundamental principle. Uh, what is it that is is paramount in my life? Is it material things or is it spiritual things? And uh, one or the other is going to be my God.
0: Yeah, very good point. Go ahead with uh, what you were going to say about the word excuse.
1: I will come back to it in a minute. Let's work through each of these examples and then I'll, then I'll come back to this. We'll come back to this word excuse toward the end.
0: Sure. So verse 19, you've got another fella who says, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Do you all see a, any type of fundamental difference between the excuse given in verse 18 and the excuse here in verse
2: 19? The, the, they seem to be similar in many ways. Something that hasn't been tested, it's already been purchased and so forth. But here maybe the focus more on work.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of what I see as well. Um, you've got work versus possessions maybe. Something else that I saw, and I guess it, it could be true in either one, but having something new um, in particular, when we get something new, that's naturally where we want to put all of our attention, uh, when we get some type of new possession. But work, I think, would be another great way to apply this. But it distracts us. Uh, it gets so to, to be so important in our lives that we block out anything else that is trying to tell us we need to wake up and turn our lives around and, and give it to the Lord. And so, work and uh, new possessions certainly do that for us. How else would you all apply it?
1: Well, when you talk about new possessions, um, if you get a new computer, if you get a new car, if you get a new smartphone, what is our what is our what what do we typically do when you first get a new car? You want to take it for a drive. You want to try it out. Um, I had a, I bought a new car. The, the only is it the only New car I've ever bought, uh, maybe is one of two, um, but I bought a new car in 1983. I literally washed it every day. No, truth be told, many days I washed it twice. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was very excited about that car. I want to spend time with it. Want to go for a drive in it, and then wash it again. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and and so there is this fascination with our with material things and acquisitions the acquiring of things and maybe that uh, you have that a little bit here he's got these uh, oxen he wants to go try them out see how they do
0: yeah and i told i told you all earlier on in the podcast that rebecca and i have recently purchased a new home here in harrisburg and there have been a lot of different bible passages that i've been studying so that i make sure that i keep my priorities straight and uh, i mean i think it can be really easy when you get that new possession something as big as a as a new piece of land or a new piece of property it can be really easy to pour all of our life and all of our heart into that thing because it feels so permanent. And especially with this big purchase that we've made, it feels permanent because it is taking such a big chunk of my life to pay it off. But I still cannot get short-sighted. I still cannot lose focus of the big dinner that Jesus Christ has invited me to. And when we get these new possessions, we sometimes do take the dinner and put it on the back burner and start to mess up our priorities. But it's so important to remember that these things pass away so fast. All right. Uh, what's the last excuse there, guys? It's a little bit different there in verse 20.
2: What do you mean it's different? Uh, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Meaning well, that a wife is not a possession.
0: It is not A wife is not a possession necessarily. <laughs> uh, you were trying to trap me. I, it, I'm not taking it. <laughs> I'll say this. I think this obviously applies to marriage, Um, getting distracted on your priorities when you're married. But I think there's a general application of family here, family getting in the way of what's most important. Jesus has invited us to this big dinner, and our family will sometimes keep us from wanting to go to the dinner Jesus invites us to. Maybe it is that they are specifically trying to pull us back and say, I don't want you to live that way. I don't want you to follow Jesus or it could be the kind of thing where they don't even know that you're considering going to the dinner. And it's just their general influence and unrighteous living. That's influencing you from not uh, to, to not go to the big dinner, but family can truly get in the way. Go ahead, Joe.
2: Well, I was just thinking, you know, this, all of these excuses, uh, I don't know that there's necessarily a one for one match, but back in Deuteronomy 20, uh, you have a situation where, uh, he's talking about those who should go to war and those who should not go to war amongst the, the soldiers, the, the age 20 and older and so forth, uh, that are listed there. And one of the things that he has is somebody who has built a house but hasn't dedicated it yet, that they should not go to war. Somebody who's planted a vineyard and they've not eaten of it yet. They should return back to their house uh, rather than go out to the battle. And then the third one in verse uh, Deuteronomy 20, verse 7, if somebody who is betrothed to a woman has not yet married her, he should return and, and not go out to battle. Um, you know, even from a scriptural vantage point, we understand that those things are going to be distractions to uh, to people serving the, the, the Lord, going out into a battle. Um, and so I think there's some some connection here, at least in my mind, to, to these things. Um, so, There's there's going to be plenty of other battles in the future. Uh, He just doesn't go to battle for for a year. But here, it's being invited into the kingdom, uh, into this great, great dinner, uh, big, big dinner that we talked about. Um, You don't let anything distract you from that.
0: That's right. And, you know, I go a little bit further down into Luke 14. What did Jesus say in verse 26? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes. And even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I mean, I don't think Jesus literally means you need to hate their guts in the, in the case or in the idea that like, Oh, I hate them as a person, but it's the priority side. You need to put them way down here in comparison to where you put me, but this guy in the parable, has prioritized his family ahead of the of the Lord of the big dinner that he's
2: been invited to. So guys, a, yeah, go ahead,
0: Joe.
2: Well, I think somebody asked the question in relationship to that. There uh, isn't the having a family a part of serving Jesus. It's uh, uh, all there on the Q and A.
0: Yeah, well, let's uh, let's tie this in because that was kind of be going to be my next part. Is having a job a good thing and really in line with what God wants for us? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Is having a land here, having a home and kind of living here, being an active part of the community, is that, generally speaking, a goal and something God would approve of and be happy with? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is having a family something God approves of and and wants for us? Sure. Absolutely. All three of these things that this, this guy is saying is his excuse, they're good things. But the problem is he's using those things, to put God on the back burner.
1: Yeah, they become alternatives to God. It's really it's really the old thing in Romans 1, worshiping the creature rather than the creator. The creatures are good and created by, by God for our use and for our enjoyment and all of that. But when we get focused on that and that becomes our God, well, it's like the Old Testament Israelites that they would look at the blessings they had from God and forget who gave them to them. And and their their focus became the blessings themselves. And then they would use the blessings to 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 give gifts to other gods, and well, obviously, they've missed the point of it, and so all these things, having a job, having possessions, having a wife, all of these kinds of things are are good, having family, all these kinds of things are good things, and I can serve God by by um, devoting myself to these inappropriate ways, in godly ways. I can serve God by by serving my family, by loving my wife, and by raising my children up in God's ways, but when when I just look at my family as the thing that um, is the end in, in and of itself. And now I'm, I'm just, that becomes my God. Well, it's, it's become essentially an, an idol. And so I don't remember where I was going with that. I had a concluding thought that it's gone from me. Are you here, Here's where you say, okay, boomer.
0: Okay. Boomer. Let's, uh, uh, any other thoughts or comments on um, any of this so far?
2: No, I, I think all that makes a lot of sense. And, boy, do we have to really work at where we started this conversation uh, of not making excuses. Our excuses aren't going to be exactly the same as these probably, but, but we just don't have any reason to make any excuse.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, Jeff, go ahead. So now might be a good time for me to take us back to that word excuse. For Jeff. Yeah, please do. All right. So this word is used a number of times in the Bible. Let me, let me see if I can, if, if I can confuse you a bit. It's in first Timothy chapter four, verse seven, take a look. First Timothy chapter four, verse seven. And also, um, I think it's first Timothy the fifth chapter in verse 11. So chapter four, verse seven. And where's my, my new Testament here. Um, right after Malachi. <laughs> thank you. Helpful Joe. Um, Do you see it there? It's not obvious, is it?
2: And
0: So you said 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. Yeah. I'll read that verse. It says, but have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness.
1: Yeah. So Uh, is is
0: it have nothing
1: to do? It is. It's have nothing to do with. How about looking at chapter 5 and verse 11?
0: But refuse to put younger widows on the list for when they feel sensual desires and disregard of Christ, they want to get married. It's either they feel when they feel or they want to get married. It's, it's refuse. It's refuse. It's neither of the ones I just said. Okay. So it's, it's refuse. Interesting. I have
1: nothing to do with refuse these kinds of ideas. This is kind of interesting. How did now that there, there are words that have completely diverse meanings and it's hard to even make a connection between how did this one word end up meaning these two different things? But I think that if we look at the different uses of this word, there's um, we, we can we can we can kind of see how there's one basic meaning in this word that that'll account for all of this. And I think it's enlightening when we go back to Luke 14. So I'll give you a couple more here, real quickly. Um, how about where it's used in a little different way in Acts chapter 25? and uh let's see what verse is that Actually, all right
0: so you got the same writer you've got luke in acts and luke in obviously the gospel of luke yeah he's so so, the same word
1: yeah so acts chapter 25 and verse 11 so this is
0: uh when paul is before festus and it says if then i'm a wrongdoer and have committed anything worthy of death i do not refuse to die yeah
1: And so is it, I do not refuse? That's it. That's it. Now, how about a different use in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 19? Um, Let's save that one for last. Go to Mark chapter 15, verse 6. Mark chapter 15, verse
0: 6. Uh Uh-oh, that's something about the resurrection, isn't it?
1: Uh, It's before the resurrection. Right before it? It's going to be before the crucifixion. Okay, yeah.
0: Fifteen verse, six. What, verse six. Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. Is it release? It's requested. It's
1: requested. Okay. All right. So we've got refuse in a couple of different ways, and uh, you know, like, like refusing uh, widows who are uh, less than sixty or so on, and then refuse in the sense of I uh, refuse not to die. And refusing, or or I forgot how your translation uh, worded it. Old wives' fables, and then <clears throat> then here's this um, ask ask for a prisoner to be released. Um, now, how about uh, one more? Hebrews chapter twelve and verse nineteen.
0: All right, Hebrews twelve nineteen. Yeah. And to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard. Begged that no further word would be spoken to them.
1: Is it begged? Begged. So here's the interesting thing here. Uh, how do you get one word that is, is going to be used in all those contexts, including or making excuses in Luke 14? So the word's actually a compound word. It's made up of para and iteo, or itemai and iteo, or my is ask, request. And para is alongside or in some context off. And we have an expression, "beg off, beg off." So, so in 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 some contexts, you want here's here are these here are these fables and worthless disputations. I'll just beg off from those, ignore those. Here is this uh, widow who doesn't meet the requirements. You know, just beg off of that. Here is the the awesome voice of God, and the people are afraid of hearing. Beg off! Please let us not hear the voice. Moses, you just tell us what he said. And here's Paul. uh, You know, if I've done something worthy of death, I don't beg off. If if death is my lot, you know, I'll I'll accept that. But then come back to Luke 14, and you think about uh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Christ, the Messiah who comes with the kingdom that the Jewish people have been looking for all this time that they knew was coming. They should have been prepared for, they should have been relishing. And it's not just that they made an excuse. I'm busy. They begged off. You beg off something when it it's, you know, you know, I'm just really not interested. I'm just, you know, they begged off and, and what that I think highlights, it highlights what's going on, we're trivializing what it is that the Lord has to offer. These guys were trivializing uh, the feast that had been made ready for them. I guess you can see that without going around the world and seeing the kind of the usage of the word. But it occurred to me as I was looking at those, I thought, you know what? The basic idea here is beg off. That's, That's the etymology of the word. And etymology is not necessarily meaning, but that's the etymology. And so I quickly grabbed my, you know, kittle, it's volume, kittle. And you look up the word, and in the very second line, it says "begging off."
0: So. Wow! Well, that's really cool. I hadn't I hadn't realized that before.
1: Oh, so it,
2: it, it really does put the put new light on their excuses. They were not interested. They that's they it. they were First Timothy four. They were rejecting.
1: That's it. People. That's it. So the question then to, to our viewers is: Are you interested in the things of God or not?
0: Yeah their attitude was certainly that of it's not even like they put a lot of thought into their excuse. It was just kind of like, ah, I got to deal with this. So just go away, beg off. Like, let's just, I'm not worried about this big dinner right now. Yeah. So that's helpful. Thank you, Jeff, for, for going through that with us.
2: So Chase, you should try this tonight. Like when your wife says that dinner is ready, just make up an excuse, a lame excuse and just, you know, see how she responds to that. Great
0: segue into this next section. We're just going to move past the analogy that you just constructed for me. <laughs> uh, no, but but you're exactly right. Whenever you, let's say I did go back to Rebecca and I was like, ah, honey, I got I got something to do. Okay. Like I, I'm busy here. What is that I, I need to rearrange my library. Right. Yeah. Yes. The library I barely use. Yes. You know, I, honey, go away. What does that tell her? What does that communicate to her about the dinner she's prepared? You don't
2: find any value in it.
0: Yeah, that's right. I, I don't really care what you went through. I don't really care what effort you went through for me. Go away is what I would be communicating there. And so it can be easy to read over that, but that's exactly what these people are doing. They're saying, I don't care about the effort those people went through for that big dinner. Or in other words, I don't really care the effort that the son Jesus went through to come down as being God, being made in the likeness of man, being obedient to the point of death. I don't care about any of that. Leave me alone.
2: And and we see the host understanding what they were doing in verse 21 as well. Exactly. His, His response. Right. Well, let's go ahead and dig back into that. Joe, do you mind to read that for us? So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. We keep going. Yeah, yeah. Go on to the end of it. And the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded and still there's room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper.
0: So just as Rebecca would probably respond in anger if I had told her, you know, leave me alone, beg off, go away. uh, Surely the master of this household responds in a very similar way. He's offended. Look at, look at what I've went through. Look at what effort I've gone to to invite you to this big dinner of your life. And so he's angry about this, and he tells his servant to go out into the streets and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. How do you all apply this?
2: Well, I think, especially going back a little bit earlier in uh, Luke 14, uh, you uh, have this time uh, uh, of this uh, feast that's being talked about. Uh, don't know where to start. Maybe back in verse 12. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or relatives, your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid when you give a feast. Invite the poor, the main, the lame, and the blind. And you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Uh, it seems to be a pretty clear connection with those that he's saying to invite there. Uh, and so the, this group would be the the underprivileged of society, the uh, particularly I think of the of the Jewish society. Uh, the language that he's using here.
0: Sure. Jeff, it looked like you were going to say something about that. Well,
1: it, it is interesting here when you think about it, and and I hadn't thought a lot about this before, but um, if we go back to Luke fourteen in verse one, uh, when he went, it, it came to pass when he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees on a Sabbath eat bread. They were watching him, mm-hmm. and then the, the 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 story goes on, and and we get down to verse fifteen, and. He, Jesus has ruffled some feathers. He said some things that kind of offended them, and and so one of them is trying to to make nice and say, "Well, we're all going to be in the same place when the when the uh, kingdom comes." You know, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is is trying to make it clear, no, what I'm saying applies to you. And so, if that be the case, we have a setting ruler of the Pharisees, and uh, so Joe, your comment the 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 ones whom Jesus is indicting here versus the less privileged, the underprivileged, meaning those who didn't have that status. So, you know, we talked a little bit before the, the webcast, is Jesus making a distinction between Jews and Gentiles? Or maybe here to some degree, he's making a, especially a distinction between the religious leadership, the hierarchy amongst the Jews who should have been ready for the feast if anybody was. Um, and yet, they weren't. They were interested in other things. And so go out into the streets and the highways um, and there call in the people who are m- maybe the ones least likely to be invited to such a feast as this. And so the people who are not necessarily the religious hierarchy, the people who are not the religious leaders and don't have status as as being uh, of the sect of the Pharisees or the Sadducees.
2: So I'm um, I'm curious, Jeff, if I remember right, when you uh, talked about your trip to Ephesus, you made a distinction between like streets and lanes and highways. Is that correct?
1: Right. And in fact, this is the passage that I mentioned there. We saw in the various places that we went, it was very clear in the ruins of the cities. You'd see the main thoroughfares and you'd see the little, little streets, the little side streets and the alleyways. And the words uh, that we saw there, the words that are used in this passage for the two, the platea and uh, um, uh, starts with a row, an R, rumus, I can't remember the, what the word is now, but the plateas would be the wide streets, yeah.
2: So so it makes me wonder if verse 21 might be referring to the common Jews as opposed to the rulers, and then verse 23, bigger highways, larger places, trade routes, that that kind of thing, yeah including even the Gentiles. So he starts off, those that were invited, the religious leaders, they're refusing to go to the common people. There's still room So go to the Gentiles, kind of like Acts 1 and verse 8 almost, uh, you know, to the ends of the earth kind of situation. I wouldn't press that real hard, but it almost seems like there's two stages here.
1: I think you're right. I, I think you're exactly right there. I think you are. Um, and and I was remembering the word correctly. plateas for anybody who cares, rumus is the little little narrow streetways. But um, yeah, I think you're exactly right. It, it, first of all, it does sound like maybe he's he's talking about the uh, those of Jewish society who didn't have the standing of the Pharisees, the rulers of the Pharisees, and then even beyond that to the Gentiles. Which
2: it, it, go, go ahead, No, 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 no. Go, go ahead. No, it's, it's your cast. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, I was just thinking through, I mean, this, this is obviously something that Jesus has been talking about his entire ministry. I mean, you even go back to when he is in, in his hometown of Nazareth, he goes into the synagogue, he stands up to read from the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Y'all, that's the big dinner. The favorable year of the Lord is the big dinner. Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. He has come to save his people. And, of course, Jesus closes the book, gives it back to the attendant. They're all looking at him, and Jesus says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's the one that's doing this. And so this parable, coupled with Mark 12, with the parable of the vine growers, where God has been sending people in. They keep killing them. They keep killing them. And finally, he sends his beloved son. They kill him, too. And what is the uh, uh, owner of the vineyard going to do? Of course, it says he is going to come and destroy the vine growers and give the vineyard to others, to the people who will appreciate it for what it is. There are people out there who will appreciate the big dinner and the vineyard that God has prepared. And he will find the type of people who will appreciate it. But he starts with the Jews and they reject it.
2: And so it might be worth noting that as he, as we said here, he begins with the religious leaders and then you have sort of the common Jews, maybe in verse 21, and then going to Gentiles and, and everybody included in verse 23. But the very next text, and you already referenced this uh, a bit, Chase, in verses 25 through 33, I think it's just kind of interesting to follow that up. And great multitudes went with him. This almost seems like this multitudes almost seems like uh the ones of verse 21 and if that's the case he's letting them know in this text the same thing is going to be required you can't put other things first as well uh whether it's family or yourself you need to count the cost uh to to come as well so it's not just that oh well i'm glad i'm not a ruler i'm glad i'm not one of the rich you know I'm, i'm safe in that no god still expects you to not make excuses
0: and so this isn't an only. I think there's a lot of ways we can apply this parable. But but for many of those who are watching are Christians and have, you've already made the the decision. You're you're going to go to the big dinner. You you've accepted Christ the Messiah into your life. There are still some excuses that we will often make that keep us from serving Lord, uh, serving the Lord in the way that He wants us to. And so we've got to be careful. And I, I hope that's what this podcast has done. I know it has for me is to think about the common excuses I make for not being as evangelistic or the excuses I make for not wanting to go and encourage that brother or sister that is down on, on different things. You know, common excuses like, well, I just didn't, I don't know what to say, or I don't know how to go out and help that person. Those excuses aren't good. We need to educate ourselves so that we can be working in the kingdom where the big dinner is. And so that, that was kind of my goal for the podcast today. Guys, you got any other, Comments, we got about two minutes here.
2: Well, I, I'd say just one thing that I think is, and I don't want to get too far off of your great points here, um, but certainly you find free will uh, taught in this text. Uh, the master invited, but these individuals had the ability to refuse to come. Um, uh, with, so I, I don't want to get off on, on the Calvinistic uh, study. Uh, it just seems rather obvious. In this text amongst many many others uh that we do have the choice to accept or not accept but then that does put the responsibility on us the lord has invited us to the feast what are we going to do with it
0: yeah certainly the lord he has put the ball in our court you know he he has invited us he has given us what we need even to respond to that invitation he's given us the tools we need it's just up to us now to respond in the way that's going to glorify him Any other thoughts or comments, guys?
2: Nope.
0: All right. Well, we appreciate everyone watching today. Uh, We'll wrap up there today. And Lord willing, we will see everyone next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Thank you, everyone, for listening.